I believe that we are creatures who crave after the answer to this question. What is our worthy life? What is our worthy life? And to answer this question, we look to influential people from the past. Steve Jobs believed that a worthy life is one of clear thinking. He said this, simple can be harder than complex. You have to work hard to get your thinking clean to make it simple. But it's worth it in the end because once you get there, you can move mountains. We discover that Epicurus, a Greek um, philosopher, believed that a worthy life is one of pleasure seeking. He said this, as rational beings, we should try to pursue pleasure as rationally and intelligently as possible. Thirdly, Charles Darwin said a worthy life is a productive life. He said this, a man who dares to waste one hour of life has not discovered the value of life. And fourthly, Paul and Timothy, the writers of the letter to Colossians, which Beryl read, believe that a worthy life is one that is focused on Jesus. They prayed for the Colossians and said, live a life worthy of the Lord. While these views are challenging and may provide some answers to our chaos in our society, I'm convinced that only the gospel of Jesus Christ can bring us true liberation, true substance, and true meaning. I'm convinced that a worthy life begins when we understand this gospel, this good news of salvation that is the message that Jesus proclaims to the world, which gives us hope. And this understanding of the gospel is what I call an identity-forming moment. An identity-forming moment is something, is sorry, a moment that makes us who we are. Let me illustrate Nolan's identity-forming moment. Nolan, my newborn son, experienced an identity-forming moment when he was conceived in the womb and his life began. Since his parents are Australian and Christian, he, would, he was later born into a household that loves a barbecue and loves enjoying the scriptures. Without this identity-forming moment, Nolan would lack meaning and direction. Likewise, for the Christian, we have an identity-forming moment moment. This moment is proclaimed richly in Colossians chapter 1 verses 12 to 14. Look at your bulletins there in the reading. Let me read 12 to 14. Giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. There's a lot of words there, but the point here is that our identity-forming moment is when we declare that someone is king. Who's that king? Jesus, that's right. If we don't have the faith in Christ's saving work on the cross, which restores our brokenness, relocates us into the kingdom of God from the kingdom of darkness and transforms how we live, a worthy life in Christ does not begin. 
But if we do believe that Jesus spilled his blood on the cross for us, resurrected from the dead in power, and is now exalted above all and reigns supreme, a worthy life in the Lord launches. It begins through our salvation in Christ. Now that we understand that a worthy life has an identity-forming moment through this gospel of salvation, it's time to identify what I call three signature moves that follow our salvation. A signature move is a behavior that shapes and expresses a person's identity. And since we have a new identity in the Lord Jesus through his work on the cross, As an outflow of that identity, we have three signature moves. Let me illustrate. This is Nick Price, and he's the SGS school chaplain here at the grammar school. And he's also a fisherman. Since he loves fishing, he has some signature moves. He wakes up early in the morning to catch bass. He posts pictures online about his fishing experiences. He acts as the secretary for a fishing committee, and he sells fishing gear to the locals. Since Nick is a fisherman, his identity is shaped by some signature moves, isn't it? Likewise, since a worthy life in the Lord begins with our salvation in Christ, Colossians chapter 1 verses 10 to 11 shows us that we have some signature moves that flow out of our salvation. So what are these signature moves? There's three. Fruitfulness, flourishing, and fortification fruitfulness flourishing and fortification so let's look at that first point there fruitfulness this takes us to the first signature move fruitfulness look at colossians 1:10b paul and timothy pray that the church will bear fruit in every good work since they've been saved the church As an outflow of their salvation in Christ, they're called to live this new identity of bearing fruit. To help us understand the concept of bearing fruit, which we're also called to live into, I'd like you to close your eyes. I'd like you to imagine that you are a fruit tree. Keep your eyes closed. Imagine that you're a tree planted beside still waters. Imagine your roots being nourished by a stream. Imagine that your leaves never wither, even in the heat of the sun. Imagine lush fruit of all varieties growing on your tree. Imagine a crowd of children gathering around the shade of your tree, being nourished by its fruit. Imagine those children running home in excitement, sharing amazing stories of their experience under you, that awesome fruit tree. All right, open your eyes. Did you imagine that? Were you, were you there? My hope you, is that you were there. Friends, we are called to be like that fruit-bearing tree. However, our tree doesn't consist of apples, oranges, and peaches. The fruit on our tree consists of Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, love, faith, hope, 
You name all the fruits of the kingdom of God. And as people taste the spiritual fruit at work in us, through our selfless works, they can experience the delicious flavors, beautiful aromas and healing agents of the kingdom to come in the present. Then as they continue to taste the fruit of the Spirit at work in us, they will be surprised by Christ at work in us. They will in fact be drawn to that salvation that is infused in us, changing and shifting all that we are, our whole identity. They will want to know where our faith springs from and we will reply, our fruit springs from Jesus, our Saviour. Consider him. Consider Christ. To further illustrate this point of being people of fruitfulness, consider this story. Three years ago, while working as a youth minister, I had a very low salary. I was driving a beat-up Kia Sportage from the 90s with no shocks and had desperately needed some new tyres. However, one day after working in the church office, I realised something strange. The car tyres were changed. I was shocked. Where did these tyres come from? I was thinking. I told, I told about 20 people that day. So, who's changing my tyres? This is amazing. I, I suspected it was someone from the kingdom of God, but I was surprised by that. I later discovered it was Travis the assistant minister, a man who displayed the nourishing fruits of Christ, such as love, compassion and kindness. It caused me to praise Jesus in that moment. And here's my point. True Christianity consists not just in words or in external show, but in a living, vibrant faith from which flow all the righteous fruits of the kingdom of God. Such a faith enables us to sit with the elderly and sick, feed hungry teenagers as they enter the schoolyard, shave our hair to support those with cancer, help vulnerable families through acts of compassion, invite our neighbours into our households for a meal, and to buy a poor youth pastor a new set of tyres. While these initiatives are painful and cause us to sacrifice our lives, these initiatives showcase Jesus in our world, do they not? Fruitfulness is the first signature move of a worthy life in Christ. Oh yeah, there's my car. This brings us to the second signature move, flourishing. Look at Colossians 10c, chapter 1, verse 10c. Paul and Timothy now pray that they will flourish in the knowledge of God. That they will flourish in the knowledge of God. Considering the signature move, J.I. Packer, an Anglican minister in England, attempts to make it deeply applicable, growing in the knowledge of God. He says this, How can we turn our knowledge about God into knowledge of God? The rule for doing this is simple but demanding. Ready? We must turn each truth that we learn about God into matter for meditation, into a matter for meditation before God, leading to prayer and praise to God. 
In Packer's understanding, Scripture is living, and when it is applied to our heart through things like meditation, and then through meditation, we begin to see something happen. The Scriptures take root into our heart and mind in a deep way. And when the Scriptures penetrate our souls, transformation occurs. Why is this the case? Well, in the stillness and quietness, we will notice something glorious. The voice of God will be heard as we read the scriptures. His presence will be felt and the work of Christ will be deeply penetrating. Close your eyes again. I want you to meditate with me right now. Through meditation, we feel the emotions of the crowd as they shouted Jesus down. Through meditation, we hear the whip crack against his flesh. Through meditation, we hear him shriek as the nails pierce his hands. Stay with me, guys. Through meditation, the depth of God's love for us is experienced with great depth of insight. Open your eyes. Through meditation, we are able to experience the scriptures on a very deep and meaningful level, which brings about that transformation. I can appreciate why um, this bygone minister said this. A true meditation is when a man does so meditate of Christ as to get his heart inflamed with the love of Christ. So meditate of the truths of God as to be transformed by them. And so meditate of sin as to get his heart to hate sin. The minister saw meditation as a discipline of God's grace that enabled him to flourish as a worthy disciple of Jesus. And to help us flourish in the knowledge of the Lord, I encourage you to live by Psalm 1, where it says this, Meditate on the Lord, the Word, day and night. For some of us, we may need to get up to get up from bed 15 minutes earlier or go to bed 15 minutes earlier. For some of us, we may need to just carve out a quiet space in our home where we can read the scriptures without distraction. For some of us, we may need to limit our Netflix, Facebook or YouTube consumption. Like me, you may need to buy a Christian app called Soul Time, which gives me space to just reflect. Whatever we choose to do, please know this. Meditating on the scriptures is a practice which enables us to become more like Jesus. And remember what I said in my last point. When we become more like Jesus, people see something different about us and are surprised by our hope and are drawn closer to the salvation that Jesus offers us. So growing in knowledge has a profound purpose. And so this is the second signature move. And it takes me to the last signature move, fortification. Paul and Timothy now pray in verse 11 there that we will be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Fortification is the idea of standing firm, remaining patient, powerful persistence. 
a rock-solid commitment to God. What does it look like? Well, I'm reminded of the destruction of Pompeii in 79 AD. There was hundreds of people buried in the ruins of this volcano event. It would have been absolutely devastating, but it, and it was. Some were discovered finding security in cellars. Others were found in the upper rooms of buildings. Some were found fleeing at the edge of the water. However, there was also a Roman guard found in the ruins of Pompeii. He was standing at the city gate where he had been placed by his captain, grasping hold of his weapon as he faced the ash, the volcano. While the earth shook and the streams of ash covered him, he stood fortified at his post. And there he remained for centuries, standing firm. Likewise, we must stand fortified in our faith as we live under the good reign of our Lord Jesus, who is above all. He is our heavenly captain. This steadfastness is illustrated in the faith of Denny and Layla, the parents who lost their children to a drunk driver this month. They proclaimed these words at a press conference. Our faith in Jesus Christ remains the foundation of our family. And we believe it will continue to help us through this difficult time. Each day that passes is a day closer to the day we are reunited with our angels, our children. We look toward this moment, not backwards at yesterday's pain. And I went on to say this. As we've tried to make sense of the past week, the world too has been shaken by this mortifying event. But God will be our be our safeguards through this dark valley. What faith! He is in control and eternity sits in the palm of his divine hand. Our life here on earth is but a vapour in comparison to his eternal plans and the purpose God holds for his children. Denny and Layla stood firm even after they lost their three children to a horrific event. They had a rock-solid commitment to Christ in the outrageous storms of this life. They loved their Lord Jesus. They never wanted to leave him. Likewise, if we are losing a battle to cancer... Anxious about an empty water tank or angry about certain political regimes, a signature move of a disciple is our fortification in Jesus. This requires patience. This requires persistence. This requires a hope that God is renewing every part of our broken world. Fortification is the third signature move of a worthy life in Christ. And so at the beginning of this time together, I asked this question. What is a worthy life? I argued that it begins with an identity forming moment, our salvation in Christ. I then showed you that there are three signature moves that flow out of our salvation, our identity forming moment, fruitfulness, flourishing and fortification. And let me leave you with these words. 
May Paul and Timothy's prayer for the Colossians to live a worthy life in Christ be fulfilled in us today. And the church together says, Amen. Thanks, everyone. Let's declare our faith in a moment.